Good morning, everyone. I'm on here. There I am. Okay. Good. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody. Uh, I'm looking at all the people in our choir, and I'm glad they're out. They're back here. Uh, I think some people uh, missed the time change, so have a little uh, shy crowd today in, in the worship service. But we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here and have joined us this morning. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially. Uh, you're uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll uh, be blessed in a very special way as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on, on the um, the row, on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out. Give us whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us. We don't sell that information. We just uh, use it in-house. And uh, uh, But we would appreciate it if you would uh, take that and fill that out for us so we could have a record of your attendance. A few Announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, let me uh, thank our senior adult class for a delicious breakfast this morning. Uh, we do that once a month, and different classes are responsible, and the senior adults did it today, and we are so grateful. What a wonderful, wonderful breakfast it is. Thank you. Yes, that's very appropriate. Um, as you know, we are in the season of Lent, and uh, one of the tra- traditions that we have uh, during the season of Lent is the Henderson Ministerial Association hosts a series of Lenten lunches on Wednesdays during the season of Lent. Uh, we have had three of those to date, uh, and the lunch this week will be at the Presbyterian Church. We move it around to the different churches, and this week it will be at the Presbyterian Church at 12 o'clock on Wednesday. It's about a half an hour uh, worship service and then lunch together. And these are these are wonderful times as people from different churches, different denominations gather together uh, to share in our journey towards the cross during the season of Lent. Also, uh, March the 24th, uh, it's about a, uh, almost two weeks away, that's a Saturday, we will be hosting again the uh, uh, Runway Red uh, Fashion Show and Lunch. This is a fundraiser for Matthew 25 uh, AIDS ministry and uh, if you would like a ticket for that I think we have bought a table our church has bought a table if you would like a seat at the table please see Brittany Smith or call the church office and we'll reserve a seat for you and if we need to get another table we can do that as well So, uh, but we just need to get your, your name in there uh, for that and on that same night on the 24th uh, our kids are going to have a glow in the dark Easter egg hunt Doesn't that sound fun? (laughs) Why didn't I think of that when I was a kid? (laughs) That's a great idea. So so, uh, uh, for for you kids and for you kids at heart, um, (laughs) uh, put that on your calendar as well. One other announcement coming up on uh, March the 30th, uh, Community Baptist Church will host a Tenebrae service. That's Good Friday. That's Good Friday. We're going to be joining with Zion UCC uh, and uh, First Christian Church, and we'll be hosting it here that evening at 7 o'clock. Now, some of you are going, a what service? A tenebrae service. And you're thinking, what is that? Tenebrae is Latin word for darkness or shadows. And this is Good Friday, and it represents the darkness that fell across the earth when Christ died on the cross. We will begin that at 7 o'clock. I've checked. Sun, uh, sunset that day is 7-11. So we will begin. The sun will be up. And, but 35, 45 minutes later when we finish, it will be dark. And we will leave the lights down here in the, in the room. And we will be extinguishing candles during the service as we represent uh, the death of Christ. And we prepare ourselves for His death, His burial, and two days later, His resurrection. So that'll be the Tenebrae service on March the 30th, and we'll be having that here. So put that on your calendar. It'll be a good service. So. Glad you're here today. Uh, glad some of you uh, changed your clocks. How many of you are just showed up for Sunday school? <laughs> I just wanted to check. Just wanted to check. Uh, glad you're here, and we welcome everyone. Let's stand now and greet each other as we share the love of Christ. Thank you. 
Let us pray together. It, it isn't easy, O oh God, to see ourselves as we truly are. When we are at fault, we much prefer painting an innocent and blameless picture of ourselves while attributing the ugliness of our lives to others. We defend and explain and defend and explain and we try to blame others when we are the ones who have failed. But it isn't only our failure and wrongdoing that we hide from ourselves. We also keep hidden our true strength, goodness, and effectiveness. We resist acknowledging the good things that we do and are capable of doing throughout our lives. While we don't want to be seen as being prideful, we still need to own up to our gifts and abilities and make them available to you and to others. We need to do this so that we can live in truth and know the happiness that you have set aside for us. Our pride keeps us from seeing our failures. And our distorted self-image keeps us from seeing our virtues and our successes. In both instances, we deny the truth. Forgive us. Grant us the courage to see our sin for what it is that we may repent. And give us the confidence to set our gifts free so that they can be used by you. We are wondrously created by your hand, O oh God. Thank you for your mercy and for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. May we always be found using those blessings for you. Amen.
Pastor Tim this morning is going to talk on positive self-image. I'd like to just say good for children who have been up here, would have been up here, would have been dead. And can we look in that mirror and tell if you're a good student? Can you look in there and tell if you're an athlete? Can you look in there and tell if you misbehave on the bus? Okay. So that image, hmm, positive self-image, how do we get that? Where we talk physical, but inside is our, is the part of us that needs to shine. It's not built on how you look. It's built on how you treat people and how you uh, get along with others. All the things that can build up and not tear down. And it's a, it's a lesson. Like, for instance, let's say Johnny's a really good basketball player. Tommy can't dribble it up and down the court. Okay? Well, come to find out Tommy's an outstanding math student. Oh, boy. And Johnny can't, can hardly add two and two and all. Do you see how they could get together and complement each other and share and become better math kids, better athletes if they want that? Because they share. And I'll tell you somebody else. You know, Jesus, if, he, if, if he's in your heart, you will all, you'll want to help people. You'll want to be good to people. And I'm going to say this today. If you don't hear anything else I say today, or any of us here, there is never, ever a reason to put people down, to call them names, to bully them. I don't care who you are and where you are. And the more we have that and less and help out that bully. Compliment his shirt. Do something nice to him. Do anything that where you know there's a negative feeling. So I'm gonna ask you to do something this week. Okay. A couple, three days. I want you to pay a compliment. Say something nice to someone. It may be mother had a great breakfast. I don't know. You know. Uh, but I want you to compliment yourself. Kelsey, how would you do that at college? You would say, oh, I made it on time to class. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. You know, all that. So compliment, build up, and somehow we come out with a more positive self-image.
Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the good things you have given us. And we thank you for this offering that you blessed upon us to give for many blessings in this world. Teach us to serve you with patience, with compassion to one another and all people. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. reading is from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much, Jason. Really appreciate it. Jason sang that at Kevin's funeral uh, last week and uh, impressed a lot of us. And just thank you for sharing that again today. What a song. What a song. Wasn't that wonderful? And you guys, you look so nice today. You, you look so nice this morning. What a great looking crowd of folks we have here this morning. And, and, and you're one of the smartest group of people I've ever seen. And the talent in this place is just, wow, I just can't even describe it. Am I laying it on a little too thick? <laughs> well, I hope you know that I, I do appreciate you, but is there anyone here who doesn't appreciate a good compliment from time to time? I mean, a compliment truly can be food for the soul. I, I was talking with my son Nathaniel last night and his girlfriend Katie, and they were telling me about how uh, the shoe store that they work in is training their employees to begin each encounter with a customer with a compliment and two questions. And I guess that's okay as long as it doesn't seem forced. But the fact is that we all need to be lifted up from time to time, don't we? It feels good to hear someone say something nice about you. Well, let me tell you about a service on the web that is designed to lift you up when you are down. It's called EmergencyCompliment.com. I'm not kidding, folks. EmergencyCompliment.com. You can go to their website and see a brief little message that will feed your ego and put you in a better mood. Uh, here's the one. The kid you passed on the street today wants to grow up and be like you. Uh, and I mean, who wouldn't want to be told things like, your prom date still thinks about you all the time? <laughs> That, that's creepy. That's creepy, somebody said back here. <laughs> or, you are someone's the one that got away. <laughs> well, you can find it right there at, at emergencycompliment.com. So if you find yourself feeling down or just not feeling good about yourself, go to that website. It'll help pick you up. And the truth is, we could all use a little pick-me-up from time to time. Well, how about this little verse from the Apostle Paul? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just think about that for a minute this morning. We are God's handiwork. Or as one scholar translated, we are God's work of art. 
When Paul says that we are God's handiwork, he is not saying that we are perfect. In fact, he doesn't even claim that we're any better than anybody else. Uh, As a matter of fact, he begins this chapter by describing in pretty great detail how bad we really are. Uh, He writes, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins. But then he writes, but because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Did you hear that? We are God's handiwork because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And this is so important. You see, what you become as a person is determined to a great extent by how you see yourself. As motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, you cannot consistently perform in a manner that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. And we see that played out in in sports all the time. Some of you baseball fans will remember a a former championship manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers named Tommy Lasorda. You all remember Tommy Lasorda? He was was a real character. Uh, In in an interview one time, uh, Tommy Lasorda confessed that in one of his first outings as a relief pitcher back in the 1950s, he was so nervous about facing certain players that he was deliberately trying to balk so that the player could just take the base there. Now, can you imagine that? A pitcher deliberately trying to, call, uh, to be called for a balk? Problem was, the umpires weren't calling it. And so Lazorda was forced to face his fears and, and to overcome them. But he learned something from that. He learned from that experience. Now, let's fast forward several decades. Uh, Tommy Lasorda is, is now managing rookie pitcher Oral Hirschgeiser in his first year, as uh, his, his rookie year, his first year in the major leagues. And, and, and Tommy wanted to improve Oral Hirschgeiser's self-image. The Dodgers were just getting ready to play the Atlanta Braves, and so Tommy told Oral, tomorrow when Dale Murphy comes to bat and sees the name Oral, he's going to laugh, and then he's going to pound you deep. So I'm going to give you a new name. From here on out, you are to be known as Bulldog Hershiser. And the rest, as they say, is history. Oral Hershiser, or Bulldog Hershiser, as Lasorda called him, became a Hall of Fame pitcher. In fact, in 1988, he set a major league record by pitching 59 consecutive innings without allowing a single run. He helped lead the Dodgers to a World Series championship that year. He was named his division's most valuable player as well as the World Series' most valuable player. He was also won the National League Cy Young Award for the best picture in the league that year. So you see what you become as a person is determined to a great extent by how you see yourself. What your self-esteem is. What's your self-image. And so learning to accept yourself and to believe in yourself is one of the most important battles that we face as human beings. Back in 1971, Nancy Miller was a shy fifth grader in Atlanta, Georgia. She had a poor self-image. And that poor self-image came partially from the fact that she was born only with her pinky fingers and two partial fingers on both hands. She was too embarrassed. She was in fifth grade. And you know what they do in fifth grade P.E. They learn to square dance. She was embarrassed to learn how to square dance because she didn't think that the boys would want to hold her hands. But through the encouragement of her P.E. teacher, who chose Nancy to be his partner, she learned to accept herself. She learned to believe in herself. And today, Nancy Miller is a mother of four children. She can play the piano. She types 65 words a minute. 
all because of a teacher who believed in her and helped her to believe in herself. William Dorfman is a dentist to the stars in Los Angeles, California. Pretty impressive, huh? But he also donates his skills to a local women's shelter where he fixes the teeth of homeless women and prostitutes and abused women and children. And one of the benefits that he enjoys from this work at the shelter is seeing the women develop a new sense of self-confidence once the work, uh, the work on their teeth has been done, been completed. As Dr. Dorfman says of his patients, she becomes a new person because she sees a new person when she looks in the mirror. But overcoming that negative self-image, is, it's a struggle. It's hard. And the problem is that our self-image is usually determined at a very early age, and it's very difficult for us to undo an image that we already have implanted upon us. Years ago, comedian Steve Allen and his wife Jane Meadows uh, were interviewed by a magazine about their, their many years of marriage together. And, and a lot of the article was focused on Steve's uh, unstable and dysfunctional family life in, in his background. And, and in a final comment about his childhood, Jane said, We are who we are because of where, we, where we've been. You know, that's true, isn't it? We are, to a large extent, we are who we are because of where we have been. Psychologists tell us that by the time we reach the age of two, 50% of what we ever believe about ourselves has already been formed. Two. Think about that, parents. Think about the importance of those first two years of life. By the age of six, 60% of our self-belief has already been established. By the age of eight, about 80%. And by the time we reach the age of 14, over 99% of us have a well-developed sense, either correctly or incorrectly, of who we are as human beings. That's significant, isn't it? And it's hard to change that. Many years ago, there was a book about a character named Bunker Bean. Uh, Bunker Bean was orphaned at a young age, and so he grew up in many different foster homes. And so Bunker had a very low self-esteem. He really didn't think highly of himself at all. And so one day, he was living in a, in a boarding house, and, and one day a, a spiritual medium... <laughs> A huckster really moved into the boarding house where Bunker Bean was living, and this medium struck up a conversation with Bunker Bean and uh, and claimed that Bunker had been Napoleon Bonaparte in a previous life. Wow, Napoleon Bonaparte! Wow, he was powerful. He was intelligent. He was self-confident, and he was. The absolute opposite of Bunker Bean. And so Bunker began to study everything that he could learn about Napoleon Bonaparte. And as he, as he studied, he began to take on some of the, his hero's positive qualities. He became more self-confident. He became more powerful. He became more decisive. He became even more intelligent. And then one day, this medium who had inspired Bunker was revealed to be a fraud. But that didn't matter. That didn't matter to Bunker Bean because by that time he had become the kind of person that the medium had told him that he could become. Yes. Much of our self-image is determined at a very early age and it is difficult to undo that and to change that. But that does not mean that it is impossible. My friends, it is never too late to change your self-image. Now, some of you may be thinking, wow, I like that one. <laughs> now, some of you may be thinking, Pastor, you don't know me that well, and I, I'm not worth that much. It's far too late for me to change. 
One man said to his pastor, you know how at those big basketball games when their team is ahead and the home fans sometimes taunt the other side by chanting, overrated, overrated. He said, well, deep down in my heart, I hear that same chant. He said, there's no hope for me. But you know something? There is hope. There's hope for all of us, and it's never too late to change who we think we are. One of my personal heroes, a great preacher from the last century, Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, once wrote this. He said, hold a picture of yourself long and steadily enough in your mind's eye, and you will be drawn towards it. He said, great living starts with a picture held in your imagination of what you would like to do or be. That, my friends, is good advice. If you want to be an astronaut, imagine it. If you want to be an ice skater, imagine it. If you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, Imagine it and then work hard towards your goal. But let me suggest that you add another picture to those that are already in your mind, those goals that you have in your life. Add another picture. It's the picture of Christ with a lamb in his arms. That lamb is you. Now picture Christ with his arms open wide and a and a big smile on his face, a grin on his face. He wants to take you into his arms and to let you know how special you are to him. And now picture Jesus standing at a door knocking. That door that he's knocking on is your heart. He wants to come in and to make you a new creation. My friends, it's never too late by the grace of God to change the way you think about yourself. Virginia Mollencott is a professor of English and a theologian. She wrote that she loves to watch her students come alive in class. One of the courses I teach is freshman English, she said, and that's a place where you can empower people. They often come to you beaten down. So before I pass out their, their first graded paper back to them, I give them a little speech. I say, this grade is not for you. This grade is for a piece of work that you turned in. And then I ask them if they want to know what I think about them, and they usually say that they do, and so I continue. I think you are made in the image of God. And you are of inestimable worth. And then Virginia Mullencott adds these words. For me, the meaning of life is to share with people the wonderful news that we are daughters and sons of God. The Apostle Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that Paul is, is saying that about you? My friends, it doesn't make any difference who you are, and it doesn't make any difference what you've done. It doesn't make any difference how many strikes you have against you. You are God's work of art. And with God's help, you can turn your mess into a masterpiece. One of John Steinbeck's books, uh, titled Sweet Thursday, there's a character in the book named Madame Fauna. Madame Fauna runs a brothel. And in spite of her occupation, Madame Fauna takes a, a liking to one of the prostitutes who works for her. Her name is Susie. And Madame Fauna sincerely wants Susie to, to live a better life and to have a better life. And so one day, Madame Fauna decides to set Susie up on a real date with a man who was not a client. 
She buys Susie a nice dress and helps her get ready for the evening. And as Susie is leaving, she's visibly moved by Madame Fauna's uh, uh, kindness. And so she asks her, you have done so much for me. Can I do anything for you? And Madame Fauna replied, yes, you can. I want you to say, I am Susie and no one else. So Susie does this, and then Madame Fauna says, Now I want you to say this. I am Susie, and I am a good thing. So so Susie tries to say this. She says, I am Susie, and I am a... And she stopped. Before she could finish, she broke down in tears and she couldn't say it. She couldn't say, I am a good thing. You see, that's not the way Susie saw herself. And I just wonder if anybody ever told Susie that she's God's handiwork. That she is God's work of art. I hope somebody finally did. Back in 1945, that great Christian philosopher and martyr, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, wrote a poem just one month before he was executed in the Flossenburg concentration camp. Who am I? They often tell me I would step from my cell's confinement calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They also tell me I would bear the days of misfortune calmly, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I really then all that which other men tell of? Or am I only what I know of myself? Restless and longing and sick like a bird in a cage, struggling for breath, weary and empty at praying, at thinking, at making, faint and ready to say farewell to it all. Who am I? This or the other? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, you know, O God, I'm yours. My friends, that is the ultimate answer to a poor self-image. It is to pray, whoever I am, O God, you know, I am yours. Learning to accept yourself and to believe in yourself is one of life's most important struggles. And the problem is that our self-image is determined at such a very early age that it's very difficult for us to undo any damage that's done back there. But folks, it's never too late to change. Your new life can begin when you understand that you, you are God's handiwork. You are God's work of art. And when that happens, when you understand that to be true for your life, that's when you will be on the path to being all that God intends for you to be. Amen. Let's pray together. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And that's what we do when we recognize that we are God's handiwork. We are putting our trust in Jesus. We may not feel good about ourselves, but we trust that God loves us in spite of it all. Let's sing together.
By God's grace, you have been saved. By God's grace, you have been healed. By God's grace, you have been made alive. By God's grace, you have been raised with Christ, seated with Him in heavenly places. Go now with the assurance of God's grace upon your life. At home, at school, at work, at play. May Jesus meet your every need. Amen. Amen.